You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new film, Five Minutes of Heaven, our guest today, Oliver Hirschbiegel, explores aspects of Northern Ireland's troubled past and the challenges the future holds in coming to terms with it. The film recently won two awards at Sundance, including the World Cinema Directing Award and World Cinema Screenwriting Award. Five Minutes of Heaven opens this Friday, August 28th, at the landmark New Art Theater in Los Angeles. Oliver Hirschbiegel, welcome to Film School. Hello, thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm very good. I'm sitting in Vienna. The sun is shining, and it's uh, beautiful. Excellent. Well, you're a lucky man. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, how is it? What's the genesis of the film? Where did, where did you first have the idea for, for a film uh, exploring this topic? Well, I did not have the idea. I was working with the writer on another project set in Africa. It was about uh, child soldiers, and he had uh, all the while... Uh, worked on this one and had never mentioned it because he wanted me to do the African one. <laughs> when the African one fell apart, he all of a sudden slipped this one under my doormat, and uh, and I read it and and I was I was fascinated and called him up and said I want to do this. It was then just like a small little BBC Northern Ireland project uh, that was to be shot like just on video on a very low 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 budget. Uh-huh. Now, now the writer, I'm embarrassed I, to say I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is Guy Hibbert? Is that right? Guy Hibbert. That's nope. it. All oh, right, very good. Uh, if you had a relationship with him for a while, uh, yes, uh, like uh, we had been working on that other script for about uh, a year, and then had traveled together to Africa and did location scouting together, casting even. So we had we had grown to become really close friends. Uh-huh. Is, is there something about his, uh, his script writing that really you think adds to uh, Five Minutes of Heaven? Is there some particular quality he brings to it that you don't think you could get with any other writer? Well, I think that's fair to say because he's... Uh, I mean, there's one thing that many people don't realize. We, the directors, are only as good as our writers. Mm-hmm. Many directors don't say that. I don't know why. Yeah, well, that's nice of you to say. It's their job and we do our job. Yes. So I, I love my writers. Uh, all my writers, and with Guy, it's a it's a very uh, special thing because he's so, you know, he's concerned about truth, being 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 absolutely true, not playing games with the audience, being faithful with the characters he's depicting. Because most of the stuff he writes is based on fact, is based on real people. He talks to, he meets in blood and flesh, and that's 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 uh, that's what what uh, distinguishes him from other writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're speaking with Oliver Hirschbiegel. The film is Five Minutes of Heaven. Mike, did you have Well, no, I just... In, he, in fact, uh, Guy had written some other f- uh, f- scripts that were similar uh, th- to this. Am I correct? It's sort of a similar theme. Some- Absolutely, yes. He, had, he has written Omar, for instance, which was uh, dealing with all the victims of that terrible bomb explosion uh, a couple of years ago in Northern Ireland. He met all the victims' families and the victims and put together a very, very gripping script. Mm-hmm. Now, now in, in getting the, uh, the truth of this across, other than just the dialogue, do you, do you talk uh, with uh, the writer about the approach of it and, and how you're going to bring this to the screen? 
Well, uh, I I came on board when the script was basically basically written, and then I had uh, I started having certain questions regarding both characters and uh, certain events, especially in the third act, which is when we started collaborating. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I always knew that. I wanted this to be like uh, uh, one film combining three genres. Mm -hmm. And that came from what I read, but I just enhanced that. It's like the first act is like a period drama set in the 70s, which is like the real events. We are reconstructing the real events. The second part is introducing these two men now, today, when it becomes fiction based on these real characters. And they are going to that program about to meet and the third act, and, 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 and the second, second act being like a suspense thriller, you know, a suspense, uh, a suspense uh, uh, scenario like, like Alfred Hitchcock uh, would have created. And yes. the third act I always saw like a Western. It's two, two men destined to confront each other. Well, well, and he liked that, and we enhanced it uh, yes. uh, in, in that direction. That well, that let's, step, let's take a step back here, uh, and, and just let's talk about the basic outlines of the story here. We really haven't touched on them. Uh, and, and what it is that we're an, – an incident which triggers a whole series of life-changing uh, events in these people's lives. Let's, let's recap a little bit here. It's, it's, it's set in, 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 the, in the early 70s in, um, in Northern Ireland, a little place called Lurgan, and it's a 17-year-old boy, actually from a, from a middle-class family, who is a member of the UVF, the Ulster Volunteer Force, and he, uh, he's dying to be blooded. He's dying to do his deed. And there is a situation in, in the town uh, that 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 resulted in a threat coming from the Catholics, and now the the Protestants fear they have to uh, hit back with another threat. Uh, so he's given the job to kill a Catholic, a Catholic man who's mm-hmm. just two or three years older than he is. This is a brutal murder in cold blood, and it's watched by the little brother of the victim, and that brother at the time is 11 years old and 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 as horrible as it is watching his brother die the thing makes things even worse his mother blames him then for not having done anything which of course is absurd because what can a little 11 year old boy do that now that's the basic setup and then we cut into the present and see two men driving in separate limousines to a TV program about reconciliation, and we realize one man is the murderer, now a grown-up man, having, ta- having done time. And the other grown-up man, played by Jimmy Nesbitt, is the brother, now grown up, and going to face the murder of his brother. And uh, it only takes a while for us to realize that the only reason the brother goes to this program this meeting with the murderer because he wants to kill him. Right, and the the assassin in this film is Liam Neeson, and yes. uh, the, the two cast members are just brilliant in this. Liam Neeson and uh, Jimmy Nesbitt. How, how did you arrange to have them? Uh, what what brought that on? It's quite a story about Liam Neeson being involved in this uh, in this film. 
Please tell us. Well, the that. thing is, you know, they are the finest northern actors that are around. So yes. Jimmy was on board already, and we kind of collectively <laughs> approached Liam uh, with uh, with the script and the idea. And and uh, Liam had always turned down any film, any project that was dealing with the Northern Irish conflict. And this one was the first we said, I have to do this. You're absolutely right. This is a new approach, and this is the right thing to do. I think it was just a week after I had said I will do this and had met uh, with Jimmy Nesbitt that I flew out to my, my Milano to meet, meet Liam and look him in the eye, and then we promised each other that we would do this together. Yeah. Well, and so it, it was very easy. It was not like normally, you know, when it drags on for months and months <laughs> and months. Right. This was really like, okay, let's do it. This is, this is an important film. This is an important story. We have to do that. So do you think it was the material itself that... Neeson said, "All right, I don't, I don't. This is not what I wanted to do. I've been resisting this, but this was the right story at the right time for him." Is that? Yeah, that's what he said. And of course, yeah, he yeah. loved my work. <laughs> <laughs> now, that always helps. When, yes, when, okay. when an actor likes the work of a director. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Speaking of the director, we're speaking with Oliver Hirschbiegel, and the film is Five Minutes of Heaven." Now, you had a very, very tight window of opportunity with Liam Neeson, so you had to bring all the financing together, make sure. All all the logistics were in place. The shots, the sets were, I mean, the uh, locations were scouted and all the rest of it. And you, what was that window that you had to, to work with him in this? I just basically had a window in uh, May uh, for 10 days. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, that sounds like a terrible uh, scenario. But you know what? In this case, it was great help because everybody knew about this. So yeah. everybody was really trying hard to get things together. Yeah. That included the lawyers uh, discussing contract matters, and that was uh, the casting process. You know, sometimes it's very good if you get pushed hard. It sometimes brings out the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, now let's go back to the guy Hibbert just a second. He took the, 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 this script, and he walked it back and forth to the two different people, uh, Alistair Little and Joe Griffin, whose story this is, is essentially based on. There is some, I assume, some uh, artistic license, but this is the essence of their story. And, That's right. And did he not take the script back and forth to the, to the two uh, uh, primary characters in this film? Yes, he did that, and he, and he especially did that once uh, I was on board, because there were certain questions I had certain lines of dialogue that I didn't quite buy. So I would, like, come up with questions that he then would take to them and see about their opinion. So in a way, even though I'd never met them, I didn't want to meet them until the, the finish of the shoot, I kind of started building a relation with those guys. Because, you know, my first, the first thing when I read it, I liked both these characters. Mm-hmm. Yet I didn't want to judge their, 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 their doing and, and uh, it was very important for me to, to just get that right on the page uh, mm-hmm. on one end and have their approval 100% and, and it was a very funny way of working but I enjoyed it very much even though it was nerve wracking once in a while yeah. so, so you're saying you didn't want to meet them because I, I, you think you're saying you're, you're afraid that they would influence you in a way that might make it difficult to bring it to the screen Yes, because, you know, as soon as you meet somebody, you get emotionally involved on a level that goes beyond what is on, what's on the page and what's in your head and in, in your heart. And we must not forget, one of the characters is a murderer. And I was just, especially there, very scared that I would get influenced in a bad way, you know? Yes. 
Now, have they, Alistair Little and, and Jim Griffin, have they seen the film? They both have seen the film twice. We screened it for them, obviously, in, in separate, on separate occasions. And uh -huh. I'm very proud uh, that, I, that I can say that they both approve of the film 100%. Uh -huh. They really like the way they depict it in the film, and they think it's, it's, it's right and, and uh, faithful. Wow. I'm just curious. Now, where was the film shot? It was shot um, about a little, a little more than a year ago. We shot in, um, in May and June last year. In what location? Was it near Belfast, uh, in proximity yeah, no, to... I, 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 insisted, I insisted on shooting at least uh, certain bits in, in the original locations in Lurgan. And then uh, we uh, shot in uh, Belfast, and we shot in uh, places near Belfast that I made look like uh, like Lurgan. Mm. And then, of course, we went to the Antrim coast to to shoot that house in which the uh, pro TV program has taken place. Now, now in your ex experience as an outsider coming into a situation uh, that was for decades obviously a very troubled. Uh, situation, violence, and, and the rest of it. Decades of violence, generation after generation of people fighting right. one another. Now, I know that Ireland has gone through an economic transformation, and they, there are a lot of the, the sort of the underlying problems have been at least addressed to some degree. Uh, in your time there, and speaking with these people involved in the film, what is the tension in terms of sort of the, the uh, social tension, political tension between these two groups today? It's got to be a little better, but I, what, what was your impression of that? Well, my overall impression is everybody wants peace now. Okay. The leaders of the UVF, the leaders of the IRA, the, 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 the responsible people, they all, they all behind that famous handshake. They all want their life to have a future, their country to have a future. And, and uh, again, I'm very proud to say that the, the leaders of the IRA... Um, uh, as well as the as the um, UVF yeah. completely approve of the film, okay. which has never happened before. You know, it was always oh. either or. In, in this case, they're really behind the film, uh, and that that's for me that was the most amazing thing. Really, going there as a German, as a neutral observer, in a way, to see how those. It's a wonderful tribe, really. These Northern Irish. They're tough, yes, but they've got big hearts. And to see that they finally kind of got back to what they really are, you know, mm -hmm. people who enjoy life. And, you know, being able to draw a line and move on and look into the future. Yeah. Well, it's terrific. And I think the, one of the strengths, one of the many strengths of this film is you, with Liam Nelson's, uh, Neeson's character, you have a very strong point of view. And the monologue that he gives uh, to the TV uh, program on why he did what he did it's just terrific, and it really, you can understand, and it's really uh, a, uh, a cautionary tale when he says, uh, you've got to get them before they join the gang, before they join the tribe, because once they That's have, fine. you've lost them. I, I think that this is, as particularly at this time, in, 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 it's a great message that, that this film is talking about, in that in order to win these wars of terror and, 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 and devastation, it's about our hearts and souls. It's about our hearts and minds as much as it is anything else. And uh, that's one of the messages that I came away from watching this film. That's right. And it's, uh, as well, it's about young men, you know, who yeah. haven't seen a lot in their lives, who don't really know what it means to kill falling into this trap. So 
in a way, we're talking about any gang member yeah. uh, anywhere in the world. That's right. Uh, with that, because what they are doing is kind of sectarian wars as well, right? So if any of those boys watch the film and think for a moment, we kind of won a little battle already, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a message uh, that is universal. This is a film about a particular time and place and an incident and then the rest of it, but uh, it's a universal message, and I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, the, the re reaction on the part of the Ulster Volunteer Force and the Irish Republican Army people and all the rest of it has been so positive. Uh, so. Yes. There, speaking of a battle, uh, at the end of the film, there is, there is a fight uh, between uh, Liam Neeson and, and Jimmy Nesbitt, uh, and, and it looks like they pretty much uh, beat on each other during that, or at least they, they took some bruises. Was that a difficult scene to shoot? Yeah, these, <laughs> these the, uh, uh, fighting scenes like that are always a problem for any director because you either, you want to make sure that nobody gets hurt. So uh -huh. in order to do that, you get your stunt people. The stunt people rehearse with the actors, and then most of the stuff then is done by the stunt guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, the disadvantage of that is that it always looks kind of stagey, unless you've got weeks to practice it in a way that it, you know, they get over the staginess and make it look real again. Mm -hmm. Obviously, given the time frame that we had, we, we didn't have a chance to do that. So I gambled a little bit and spoke to my, my uh, two leading, leading men and said, listen, guys, this needs to be nasty. This needs to be dirty. I want this to be as real as possible. So... Are you okay? And like doing like a basic choreography that we go through with uh, our stunt coordinator, and uh, you just go for it when we shoot it. And they looked at me. <laughs> they knew what it meant, of course. <clears throat> but uh, I had a point, uh, <laughs> so we just went for it. And nobody, really, neither one, got really hurt, but they had bruises and they were aching the next day. That's for sure. They were swearing at me. Well, well but it was, nevertheless, they knew we did the right thing. Yeah. Oh, it was it was well worth the bruises, I, I would say. <laughs> this is again. I, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Oliver Hirschbeagle. The film is Five Minutes of Heaven, and I just want a, a, a quick kind of a acknowledgement of uh, of, of a, a character Vika in the film, uh, Anna Maria Marinka. And yes. if anyone who saw Four Months, Three Weeks, Two Days uh, would will know her. But she's terrific in, in, a, in a relatively small role, but a very crucial role uh, in this film. She's very, very good in this. Now, did you know her from, from uh, four months, three weeks, two days? Or how did you come to bring her into this film? I had noticed her first in an uh, uh, English uh, television miniseries, mm -hmm. uh, which was called Sex Traffic. Okay. And uh, I was blown away by her performance. Her, the, 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 she has such a presence. And then I saw her again in, uh, in Christian's film, and I was blown away by that performance. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that it was the same actress. Huh. It was only when I, when I uh, looked for, for uh, uh, actresses coming from the east of Europe that I realized, oh, fuck, that's the same, that's the same actress. <laughs> and then I looked at her age, and she's, oh, you know, she's 33 now. I was looking for a Russian, like, in her early 20s. Uh -huh. And uh, yes. I, so I was going to cast in London and met all these uh, Russian girls. But the day before 
Anna Maria's age and had called me. I had thought about it all the time that Anna Maria would like to meet and talk about this script. Said, She's so old. I know. I would love her to do this. And then just meet her. Meet her. Come on. Do us a favor. Meet her. So I had met all these girls from Russia and Poland, and none of those girls convinced me at all. And then walks in Anna Maria Marinka, way too old, but she has that air about her, that, yeah. that, 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 that freshness. And I knew uh, she's my girl. And I just asked her, can, can you play this? Can you do this like a 21-year-old? And she said, yeah, of course. Do you want me to read or something? I said, no, 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 you don't need to read. I know what you can do. If you <laughs> promise me that you do this 20-year-old girl, uh, we're fine. We have a deal. You, you know, and I, the, this is a great thing about the script, is that you bring into it somebody who isn't of that area, who isn't of the, the sectarian violence that was taking place during that period of time. You breathe somebody from a part of the world that we know is experiencing many of the same issues that are going on uh, in, in, in Northern Ireland. So it was, a, it, was good, it was a good kind of counterpoint to what was going on with, the, with these other two characters. So, um, And there, there's, again, uh, we're speaking with Oliver... Hirschbeagle, the film is Five Minutes of Heaven. There are this this film does not go down the expected route. If you're if you're watching this film, expect the unexpected, but it all makes it all works. It works well together. It doesn't seem like you're going on a lot of left turns here. It just uh, seems to be a natural progression of the story. Yes, and, and it's I I think the progression that you're talking about is that of reconciliation. Is, is that yeah, what you're yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. So I'm going to ask uh, Oliver Hirschbeagle right here, what did you learn after making this film about uh, reconciliation? Did you have any preconceived notions that after, after going through this and, and, and watching what you've created and, and the writers created, uh, it, did it change your mind? Well, it didn't, it didn't change my mind in so far that... I never really believed in this concept of reconciliation. Uh-huh. I do not think that forgiveness does help either the victims nor, nor the perpetrators. Uh-huh. I think in certain, in certain moments, in certain situations, it may help. Yeah. But in general, I think it, it's looking for an easy exit. It's reading for, for an easy solution, which we humans like, of course. But the, 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 the issue is way too complex for that. What I believe in is like foster like a society a community fostering uh a spirit of reconciliation which then enables the people involved to talk to each other find out what's what lies beneath what led you to do this or how do you really feel about having seen your mother getting killed by me or my friend as soon as people start thinking like that talking like that they are on a way you know they are on a way to whatsoever move on in life. But I think forgiveness is not the ticket there. That's, that's, that's way too easy. What I really learned, uh, and it's a banal uh, uh, thing really, that as the murderer, you are, you are, your soul is blackened for life. You are not, there is no way out for you, you know. Yes. The victim can draw a line and can say, okay, I leave this behind. I have a life. I have a family. I have children. I have things to care for. I look into the future. But the murderer, even if he tries to look into the future, he will always be haunted by that. He, he will never, ever get away from the fact that he has done, that he has inflicted such a terrible thing on his own soul, yeah. which is something that I learned by dealing with this character in, um, in, this, in this film. And... 
I saw that in the real Alistair when I met him. I saw it in his eyes. By the, by the way, you did not meet either one of these until after the the film was was wrapped. That's right. So, uh, and it did confirm. Did it confirm for you that you had made the right decision to to not meet them before or during the production? Was that absolutely? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I probably would have met um, the real Joe, but then Jimmy Nesbitt, who plays him, he went to meet him. So there was no necessity yeah. necessity for me to meet him. I just uh, spoke to Jimmy many times, asked him about the real Joe, and of course, I could always rely on my writer guy, yeah. who had spent. So, so many hours with, with with both men. Well, I think you're absolutely right that this reconciliation is just the first, very first step, and a sort of an incomplete. But at least you, once you start talking about these things, and you realize uh, that how false these these prejudices are, and how how mindless so much of the behavior that it inspires is. And I just want to, just for our audience, just to acknowledge this. This is five minutes of heaven that you've just completed, Oliver Hirschbeagle. But you did downfall, and I think that's, in some ways, there's something along a continuum, a spectrum, uh, with these two films that are very are along the same continuum. And um, terrific work in both of those. We're thrilled to have you here with us on Film School. Uh, the film opens this week at the New Art uh, Theater in Los Angeles. On the, that's the 28th. Check this out. Oliver Hirschbiegel, thank you so much for, for joining us here on Film School. And thank you very much for having me again. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at kuci.org slash filmschool.